Haswell and Ezra are standing in front of lockers in a high school corridor. Unlike on other covers, they're in their street clothes rather than their uniforms. Ezra's shocking pink hair and Aswell's blue streak in his hair stand out against the drab green lockers. Ezra is hanging up the hoodie he uses to go out on missions and is grabbing his books as he talks to his friend. Aswell is hugging his textbooks to his chest and has a messenger bag slung over one shoulder. The title at the bottom of the cover reads, Too Cool for School, A Day in the Double Life of a Teenage Superhero. You are known to have some strange dreams at times, correct? Just a bit. Okay. Um, what do you dream about tonight? Um, tonight, it's probably, you know, the kind of usual just floating um, in just in space, like very clearly, like you're, it's just an empty void. It doesn't particularly feel that cold, even though if it was really space, you know, you'd be dead. So it's a dream. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Just floating in the void, you kind of see, like, you know, horizon of, like, a planet, um, the sun in the distance, and then floating, like, the vision's floats more towards one side, and there's just this looming dark like shadow of something some gigantic encompassing vision of just a shadow okay blackness don't like it it's just staring at me and i know that it's staring at me even though i don't see any features mm-hmm. i'm just um, fe feeling very watched <laughs> yeah Usually in these dreams, does this, um, well, actually, do you have a name for this, like, shadow or, like, darkness? I, I don't. I just know that it's, it's something, some kind of cosmic being mm -hmm. that's just very, it's so big. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to feel like I should name it. That's fair. Yeah, so it's this, um, it's this sort of, like, almost incomprehensible, like, void of a cosmic being, um, something that you feel connected to, correct? Mm-hmm. And something that, um, through, uh, through just, like, your experience with this thing, you know that you sort of, like, this is where you draw your, your powers from, your sort of, like, a void-like, spacey, um, powers, um. Does this, uh, does this being usually ever talk to you at all? Um, not really, like, not in words or anything, but sometimes they'll just be feelings and, like, slices of visions. Okay. Um, so what, what then does this creature show you or make you feel that then um 
that then reminds you of your destiny. Um, there's just this sense of dread underlying it always. And sometimes it'll get stronger and sometimes it'll fade a bit. But it's always there because it's very clearly, it's a beginning for something, but that beginning is going to be the end of what we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like this weird, it's almost like it wants me to be excited. Mm-hmm. And you can feel like that, that like power and immensity, but it's just this cold dread because that's, I mean, it's very clearly going to, if it, if it can just destroy everything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you are um, floating in this void of space. Off in the distance, you can see stars and, you know, suns of other systems. You can see planets and things like that. And it comes looming over you, this shadow, this being that is probably terrifying every time you see it, but at this point also very familiar. Mm-hmm. And... Um, through your connection, you're able to sense this destiny that what you are going to become is the end of everything. Um, something that this being and you feel very differently about. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So um, as you're staring sort of into this void and this void is staring back at you, even though um, it has no discernible features. You can't see. Uh, you can't see um, any eyes or anything like that. It's just this sort of all-encompassing darkness. Um, as you're staring back and knowing what your destiny is, um, you wake up. You open your eyes. Uh, you are on Stravix's ship, and um, it almost takes you like a second to remember where you are, like physically. Um, I think that. Almost, it almost feels like in your dream you like blink and when you open your eyes you're in like a wholly different place. Um, and I would like you to take a condition because that feels like a pretty bad dream. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. So um, you wake up from this nightmare. I feel like I've done this in like every game I've run so far. <laughs> a creature of just like immeasurable darkness and dreams and like good stuff. Um, Listen, if it ain't broke. <laughs> exactly. I didn't come up with it this time. Kitty did, so that's my excuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, how does the morning then usually start on Stravix's, uh, Stravix's ship? Um, we'll start with uh, with Asbel because we are already with him. Um, what does Asbel do? I, I imagine that this sort of like um, having to uh, very jarringly like reorient yourself and also like feeling these like sort of deep immense feelings it it might be something that you're used to but still usually takes you a little bit to recover from um yeah what do you do i probably lay there for a few i checked the clock and it's probably only a couple minutes before my alarm so i'm like oh, shit mm-hmm. hmm. i'll just lay there and stare up at my um glow in the dark stars on the ceiling just pasted up there mm-hmm just kind of close my eyes and try to like meditate for a moment and center myself and relax and 
one day at a time. I gotta do what I can while I still can. Because mm-hmm. it's not here yet. That thing is not here yet, so what are the time left? I'll sit yeah. up, um, check if I have any new or larger blotches of the void on, like, where I can see on my arms, on my chest, anywhere. I'll leave that up to you. Looks... Maybe this one's a little bigger, or maybe I'm just being paranoid. I don't know. Yeah. And then the alarm's gonna go off and I'll jump, because I didn't turn it off. (laughs) And I'll slam it. (laughs) And then I'll just... Okay. Oh, it's Monday. And I'll start getting ready for school. Yeah. Okay, so Asbel uh, gets up after sort of, like, inspecting himself, um, turning off his alarm. He starts to get ready for the school day. Um, So I believe that everyone except for Ezra lives on the ship. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Well, I definitely do. Uh, yeah. No, so, we, straw, we, we, straw we kick straw it. out. <laughs> this is my place. <laughs> yeah. Um. So does it, so being teenagers. What time do people get up? There's no judgment. I'm a grown adult and I sleep pretty late. So like, is um. So, God, I had to wake up around six to get to high school in time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what time that's everyone like, else is like getting up. But that's like what time I had to wake up. So yeah, Ugh. don't know how I did it for four years. But I God, did. I don't know. <laughs> Gina was probably up that early too. She's probably up running like diagnostics on her body and making sure everything's like together. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like we answered this last time, but I don't remember. Does Juno sleep? Um, her, like, brain is still human, so she probably does still sleep. Okay. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, you gotta get up early if you're gonna make the most out of your day, and we gotta be as productive as possible. Early bird gets the worm. <laughs> right. So, in, uh, in Juno's room, did we describe Juno's room last time? I think we did. Yeah, like, I, I think the, the, the long story short is that, like, half of it is, like, machines and, like, diagnostic yeah. stuff, and then half of it is, like, a girl's room. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, and uh, as we switch over to Juno's room, we see her um, up bright and early, ready to start the day, probably already working on something, um, because the early bird gets the worm, after all. Um, Straw and Jackrabbit, are you guys sleeping in? Do you also get up early? Uh, so Straw, in his freedom now from the very regimented uh, life that he led as part of his uh, very militaristic regimented society, um, Straw does uh, sleep in a lot uh, <laughs> to the very late hour of 7.30 a.m. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so Straw in his teenage rebellion is still. Um, d- does he snore? Uh, what, yes. what are we looking at here in this, uh, Stra- uh, in this Stra- panel? <laughs> Strawvix has six nostrils, um, so uh, he he does snore like almost in harmony with himself. Mm, okay. Uh, is he like a bagpipe, but for snoring? <laughs> 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 yeah um 
and uh and yeah he's like splayed out like grueling and stuff but like um i i think uh prism wakes him up uh at 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 7:30 which is significantly later than he otherwise would get up if he was on his uh homeworld's uh schedule. Uh but uh but when when he is waking up he he snaps basically to attention and begins uh preparing for the day. Okay. Um so what does his uh well we'll let everyone sort of like play out until we get to about 7:30 cuz I imagine now it's about 6. Um, so he has mm-hmm. about 90 minutes of sleep yet. Uh, what sure. does his room look like? I don't think we described that before. Yeah. So uh, Stravix's room, um, I actually imagine, used to be the uh, the bridge of the ship. So there is like the wide like viewport that now looks out over like the the wooded mountainside. Um, and it is basically uh, the sci-fi like bridge of the ship. However, over time, has begun to accumulate uh, random Earth stuff here and there, um, including like random posters that Straw doesn't even understand what they are. Uh, they just like look cool in like Spencer's or Hot Topic, <laughs> uh, and like there's like a random like tube tv with the vcr combo that's hooked up to the ps1 and n64 or no we're in we're in uh um it would be like uh what was that 2007 so ps2 probably yeah it'd be ps2 yeah Yeah. still the n64 though because let's n64 yes yes um and uh and just like there's a lava lamp um that uh, the 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 top of it got lost long ago, so it's just like the bottle cap on top, and uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's probably run way too long. He never turns it off, so the bottom of it is like scorched and burned. The spring is broken, so like instead of it being separate, you know, blobs, there's just one giant blob. That's what happened to mine. Yeah, Holy shit. <laughs> we'd, at, we'd actually be at a PlayStation Three by now. Oh shit! Wow. Oh shit! That came out in two thousand six. Oh, yep. I think Straw has an Xbox 360. Hell yeah. Okay. okay. That checks out. He plays Halo. He, yeah. he plays Halo. <laughs> he plays Halo, yeah. Stalking <laughs> shit on Halo. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and then like... Uh, there, it, there's like a bunch of clutter that it looks like like a teenager's bedroom in 2007 with clothes strewn everywhere. They're not clothes that he actually wears. He just thinks that's what a bedroom <laughs> looks like on Earth. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> uh, they've actually been like nano synthesized by the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like all the clutter and clothes on the ground and everything has been nanosynthesized by the ship, like everything else. Uh, and they're not actually like his clothes that he wears. <laughs> oh, that makes yeah. my heart burst. <laughs> That's so actually cute. painfully adorable. That's really cute. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, I like that. Uh, okay, so let's let's switch over to what uh, Jackrabbit's doing. Uh, I don't think Jackrabbit's actually gone to sleep from the night before. Uh, oh, okay. Jackrabbit is on his third cup of coffee. He's got about uh, three different newspapers in front of him. And he just seems to be uh, speed reading through different articles. Uh, at some points perking up when he starts reading one but then just kind of gets exasperated then uh okay. he ends up 
taking two of them, running them out to the recycling. Uh, the one of them, though, he actually kind of goes into his room, kind of looking around, making sure that uh, ain't nobody really out and got an eye on him yet. And uh, adds it to a pile to uh, sort through. Mm-hmm. Um, is he looking for anything in particular? He's kind of looking through the newspapers for, like, different uh, strange phenomenons that folks can't really explain too well. Uh, stuff like portals or something like that, and he's just kind of uh, trying to... His room is much like the uh, that one scene, uh, It's Always Sunny, or any stereotypical cop show. Where uh, there's the <laughs> wall that's got the uh, newspaper the articles, and... pictures, <laughs> <Yeah>. yarn. <laughs> kind of like that, yeah. It definitely looks like he's trying to figure something out, but uh, as he looks at it, he just gets this frustrated scowl on his face and uh, goes back out to finish the cup of coffee he was working on. Very nice. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, everyone's getting everyone's doing stuff on the ship. Um, but I'm going to go over to Ezra because I think Ezra's alarm is also going off at this point yeah. um, at home. Um, you do not live with um, with everyone else on the ship. Uh, where do you live? Uh, probably at like one of the nicer parts of town. Not like mm -hmm. super rich, but certainly upper middle class. Uh, okay. So I actually probably live probably like a decent walk from school but since I skateboard it's not nearly that bad and I'm gonna say mm -hmm. I live by a hill just because I want to live by a hill just to go down every morning okay. sucks to sucks to go back up though well <laughs> <laughs> yeah um do you live in sort of like a uh like a townhome style type of thing or are you on the outskirts enough that you have like a full house or do you live in like a condo well we'll say it's like a, like a townhouse style thing Townhouse style, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so you're, you know, you got the townhomes sort of like stacked, uh, pretty close next to each other. But I'm sure in like the back and stuff, you have a little, uh, a little space for yourself. Um, yeah, yeah. What what does your room look like? Where where are you sleeping, or are you already up? Uh, it's probably just like waking up. Uh, room wise, uh, probably remarkably clean for like most teenagers. Uh, the room is pretty bland outside of like. You know, just a couple of, of posters on the wall of, like, various, uh, like, skateboard magazines that have just been blown up to a much larger size. Um, mm -hmm. But it's actually, like, a pretty boring room, all things considered. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, I imagine at this point in the morning, you are in the house by yourself. Um, does your parent your mom usually make you like like um, a lunch to take with you or like anything like that or do you like prepare that yourself like what level of independence are you really at with this uh, probably like a decent amount she'll make she'll make a lunch every now and again but mm -hmm. i also don't imagine there's like uh a lack of options in the area that i couldn't just go to and snag something if i really wanted to yeah Okay, so I, I kind of imagine when you um, when you go down that morning, um, you do see on the table 
um, a note from your mom saying she'll be out and uh, a little a little brown paper bag prepared for you with like a sandwich and, and some chips and like an apple or something like that. Cool. The stuff that she's like vaguely aware you like. Yeah. Eat. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so you, you know, you take your skateboard, you, uh, skate down the hill, a much easier ride there than it is back. So, yeah, so, um, Ezra and Asbel, you guys, uh, you guys head to school. Um, you do get there early enough that if you want to, you can, um, spend a little bit of time before you have to go to, uh, prime time. Well, I guess most people call it homeroom. I've never heard it called I've that. I've never heard that. <laughs> but I do like that. What's going on in prime time? <laughs> but yeah, we used to call it prime time. So wait, it's like prime time, just like homeroom. Homeroom. That's mm-hmm. what I was assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Prime time is got homeroom. it. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard it called that. Time. It's just homeroom. Never. Yeah. Yeah. You guys liked it fancy where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> As also um, skateboards after presumably getting into an area where that uh, fits better. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. So there are mo- uh, methods of travel you guys don't have, ha. Huh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna fly to school. <laughs> but yeah, so Aswell's just shoving his skateboard and stuff into the locker, and then mm-hmm. trying to get all of his books out. <laughs> so yesterday was something, huh? <laughs> yeah, that didn't end how I thought it would. But I'm, I mean, I'm glad it ended the way it did, mostly. Yeah. Uh, is he going to, like, show up at Straw's place? Or did he say anything to, like, anybody after after that was done? Because I just went home. Um, so, uh, you guys basically got the rundown, which is, like, um, there was a method of communication that you guys would be able to have with him. Um, in case something like happened and you needed to talk to him, but you guys, um, he, he's not going to like be with you on every mission or anything. So he did in fact, just like turn you guys out and let you guys like, uh, go do stuff. Um, I imagine you like haven't had any like big missions or anything since then, but that, that's more or less what happened. I don't think Straw gave him the address. I mean, maybe he did. I wasn't paying attention, but you know. Okay. Not consciously. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think he'll just show up. Maybe? Um, I guess if he calls us, then that's it. I guess we just kind of, you know, we do our thing and wait for him to call us. And maybe get us out of more trouble if we get into trouble again. Uh, Alright. But I don't think we should get into trouble again. We'll see. All right. So, um, did you get a new skateboard? I did. Uh, I needed one. Because, like, the the other one's fine. But I like just having something to carry around casually. Asbel just kind of, like, nods and is, um, very clearly trying to find, like, some something to say and it opens its mouth and closes it again. Man, what do kids our age even talk about anymore? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so caught up doing hero shit, like, 90% of the time. I don't think I've had a 
in-depth conversation with another student here in a good while. Um, so as I, if you want to, um, hang out with kids our age more, I guess, do you want to, um, just, like, go skate somewhere after school today or something? Sure. I don't really have anything planned, and I don't think we do either. I'm sure that we'll know if that changes. I've never, never regretted more giving Juno my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, the uh, bell rings to uh, shuffle you both off to homeroom. Hey, that was a nice sound effect you put in there, Fiona. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, God damn it, you're going to make me look up sound effects. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas, you know I don't like to do sound design. Um. <laughs> it's been mentioned All twice. Right. It has to stay in now. I Too know. bad. <laughs> yeah. Little do you know, I have the power to mute you. Very classic, you know, bell rings for like straight, straight out of the, you know, high school sound effect soundboard every time. Yep. Did you oh, steal yeah. that from Saved by the Bell? Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking, too. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought it was from Degrassi. Mm. Nobody mm. watched that show. Shut the fuck up, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I wonder what happened to that kid in the wheelchair. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Aubrey Graham? Aubrey Graham. First time I ever heard him called Drake, I'm like... That's Who? Jimmy slash Aubrey Graham. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've talked a whole lot about uh, Jimmy Brooks, our like <laughs> our allotted amount, so we can get that Degrassi uh, royalty check. Um, <laughs> let's go back to the ship and see what uh, Jack Straw and Juno are up to. Since uh, since the bell rang, I imagine it's it's about seven thirty, maybe mm-hmm. probably. That sounds right. All right. Um, so yeah, so, um, how does, how does, uh, Prism usually wake you up? Do you have, like, a pleasant thing, or does she sort of come, um, just sort of, like, barreling on the speakers telling you to get the uh, back up? Absolutely the latter. Like, I don't think Straw has <laughs> indicated any particular way he wanted to be woken up, so it's just Prism in her, mm-hmm. her, her fashion. Just... All right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so through the window, so you, you have fake windows too, correct? Um, it is actually like the front windshield of the the ship. Um, oh, okay. Straw yeah. has a real window. Mm-hmm. A real However, window. it okay. can be like I imagine like the exterior of it is like a hologram from the outside, but mm-hmm. it, I I do actually see out onto the like wooded mountainside, all the pine trees, and probably Helsinki right. and off in the distance. So, um, as the sun is sort of like um, gently uh, creeping up. Um, you are sleeping blissfully and all of a sudden all the lights flip on and you hear an alarm sort of like blaring and uh, over the speakers is like, Warp Prince Stravix, it is time to wake up. Uh, all right. And uh, he basically just leaps out of bed um, and uh, out of bed onto his feet and immediately goes into uh, the Zarellian battle uh, uh, calisthenics. Which are these mm-hmm. very like Tai Chi like movements. However, as with each like form, um, his body actually shifts and changes color and ripples and and stuff um, as he's like flexing his stances and like his body's natural biology to like morph and change. Um, mm. And while he's doing that, um, 
he's going to say, um, Prism, can you pull up the data entry for Earth Defender designation Dr. Quantum? Affirmative, War Prince Dravix. And um, on the uh, on one of the screens that I'm assuming you have in the room, maybe it's your little television. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should probably actually say what things. That's a bad habit I have. <laughs> so uh, wherever, where do you usually like your like reports to come up? Um, I imagine that there. Uh, I, I imagine like since I'm on the like ship's bridge, it's like a hologram screen that kind of okay. like projects down in front of the like view viewport. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So um. So a hologram um comes down. It's this three uh, D image of Doctor Quantum, and um, and uh, you see Doctor Quantum. Probably the picture that they have is like morphing from when uh Doctor Quantum uh was first active in the sixties and seventies into the sort of like uh older man you you see today. And it's this three D image that sort of like uh slowly spins around. And um, you see, uh, you see his name, Doctor Quantum. Um, it's unclear what his, you know, sort of like alter ego is. Um, you see that he started being active in sort of superheroing um, in the Silver Age, which is around the like 1960s. Um, he was a hero along with uh, other. Um, other age silver age heroes like the silver savior and i have a list of them let me look uh (laughs) silver savior and various hearing groups like the exemplars and the amazing eight um he he was a hand in fighting uh various um villains like dr infinity uh which was sort of one of his claims to fame but you know from the report that he's not a super like get in the uh get in the uh business with everyone and like physically fight he's he's more kind of like um almost acting as an ambassador at times especially with galactic threats that uh that would that can be like solved through like talking and things like that um you know it's common knowledge basically that he has mind reading powers Mm -hmm. and um he uh and uh he will also sometimes assist in actual battles, but more as like a tactician and like anticipating the enemy's next move rather than uh, going and like punching people. Um, yeah, Straw will uh, listen to Prism and kind of observe the data on the screen as he's continuing to go through the different forms of his battle calisthenics. And uh, he's just going to like nod and go, huh, impressive. Um, do we have an estimated threat level for him? Yes, War Prince. Um, what what would the threat level like? What what's what sort of threat level would be described? Like threat level high, threat level seven. How do you, how does the how do those rel like categorize such a thing? Um, it is a a series of phrases that roughly translate on numerals one through ten. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah no so it's just like on a scale of one to ten basically uh for the sake of simplicity (laughs) our estimations put dr quantum at threat level eight Hmm. and do we have any data on possible counters for his telepathy ability let me think about that (laughs) um Based on Prism's advanced algorithmic yeah. analysis of every superhero ever, 
<laughs> or at least the ones we've cataloged. <laughs> I will begin to compile that report, but currently his weakness seems to be his lack of physical ability. Noted. Thank you, Prism. Affirmative, Warprince. Um, and uh, Straw will um, finish his battle calisthenics and stretch one last time and leave to head to the kitchen. Yeah. Um, so in the kitchen, I kind of imagine that um, probably for the sake of the scene, um, Juno and Jackrabbit are also either in the kitchen or heading there. Um, Jackrabbit maybe to get more coffee because he's clearly not like vibrating enough from all the caffeine. And uh, <laughs> Juno for... Whatever she needs. Friendship. Friendship. <laughs> uh, I go through my... I'm sitting at the table, and when I see a straw come out, I get up real quick, stand real straight up, like, and put my hand up to a salute and say, Oh, good morning, your war princess. Um, Straw's gonna, like, stop and, like, slow blink at you and just say, That is not the proper title, but I'll accept it. As I've told you many times before. Yes, sir, your war princess, sir. And I do not also understand what this gesture is. It is very impractical. I tell you every morning, it's what U.S. soldiers do for a superior officer. I am not a U.S. soldier. I know. I'm poking fun at you. How do they get those RVs out in this <laughs> woods? <laughs> That's just the sound of um, Prism's uh, processor. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Prism, do you, are you okay? Like, do you need an update? Prism's on, like, hyper dial up. That's the Prism's uh, Simpsons. Mm. <laughs> it was like 2007. She's running on XP. Leave her alone. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, shit. We're not quite to Vista yet. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Vista. Uh, shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, Juno walks in and she sees the the two gentlemen in there and she says, "Good morning, friends." Morning, Good morning, Juno. Juno. I do hope you two slept well. I did. I haven't yet, and I raised my coffee mug up to you. You haven't. Why not? I've been. Jerking around? Gross. <laughs> Juno also makes a face. <laughs> <laughs> I've just learned what this term is. Gross. <laughs> I suppose as long as you're only doing that in your quarters. I swear, y'all, for someone who ain't from here and someone whose processors were Recharge it all night. Y'all got some dirty minds. <laughs> and sip my coffee. Yeah, Straw is just gonna like look at Juno and then look back at uh at Jack and just like shrug. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to adapt to the mindset of the team. <laughs> I, I mean blame fair. Us for that you asked. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a fair assessment, Juno. That's why <laughs> That's why you're uh that's why you're in charge of us, all of us getting our stuff done. But truthfully, you should stop drinking that coffee and go to sleep. 
I mean, I'd be awake even without it. It just gives me a nice little, uh, nice little hum to go with, uh, my, uh, research. Yes, but how can you be, but how can you expect to be ready if we are called if you have not slept all night? I mean, in my opinion, I think I'm better equipped if, uh, we get called, because I'm not going to have none of that grogginess of, uh, just being woken up. Uh, Jack can notice Juno, like, looking at him very, very intently for a moment before she says, Jack, I can see you shaking. That does not seem good. I'm pretty sure he does that all the time. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm a speedster. I, I go real quick. So it's, uh, for, for how I talk, it is rather uncomfortable to just sit in one place for a long period of time. Yes, I suppose that's true, but, I mean, I suppose nothing I say will make you do anything, so. Hey, I signed your papers, first one, before we uh, had to leave the other day. Yes, and there'll be more to sign by the end of the day. Aren't you excited? Let me tell you, I've got some things to take care of. I'll see you later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Straw is going to say, one of the other things that I have just recently become aware of is French toast, and I was going to prepare some. And he opens the cupboard and pulls out a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The best cereal. I do not take criticism. (laughs) No Uh, questions at this time. (laughs) Yes. I think I stop as I'm turning and (laughs) hear that being said. I'm like, would you like some? Straw, I would love to have some of your French toast. <laughs> uh, then Straw will um, grab another bowl, pours in the milk first, and then pours in the cereal. <laughs> like a monster. That's how you can he do doesn't it. know better. He doesn't. When do you learn after the first time it splashes? <laughs> I, I think he thinks that's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> Oh my god, that's part of the fun. Draw! This is exciting. Someone help this boy. We can't let him live in squalor anymore. (laughs) So while uh, Stravix is pouring uh, some bowls of cereal for for, uh, Jack Rabbit and himself, um, Prism comes over the speakers and says, Juno, there is a transmission for you in your room. Thank you, Prism. I'm on my way. And she bows to to the, the, the two gentlemen making some cereal, and she leaves. She bows? She bows. Yeah. Aww. I love You her. all are so cute. <laughs> Straw, Straw um, is, like, halfway through crunching on a mouthful of to- uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch and just, like, gets bowed to and, like, watches Juno walk away and then, like, looks at Jack and shrugs and just keeps chewing. <laughs> I, I, I kind of lean over to him and whisper, "Yo, yeah, y'all two make a make a good fit. Uh, why don't you, why don't you ask Juno to go to the park with you or something today? Uh, I mean, I'm sure Juno'd like to get out, and it'll be more of a chance for you to interact with the, you know, the the planet and the folks on it." Um. Straw kind of like chokes on his cereal for a second. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, and coughs, and uh, one of the cinnamon toast crunch comes out his uh, second from the bottom nostril. Oh, uh, and no. then he oh, and then he he glances disgusting. in the direction that Juno went and looks back and goes no no I Juno is um, oh, a friend uh, you I I just don't think that I and he takes another bite of cereal and just chews <laughs> I sit back in my chair contently <laughs> smugging to myself <laughs> uh and uh, meanwhile, in Juno's room, when Juno comes in um, on her screen where she gets uh, transmissions on her like computer screen, um, a picture pops up, and it is Dr. Quantum uh, calling into the ship. Um, I imagine that you, this is not like the weirdest thing to ever happen, because you guys do have like a way to communicate with the city council. Uh, so I presume that Juno figures that with the recent... Uh, with the recent developments that that's how he is able to like uh, talk to her. It's disguised uh, right? as a landline. Uh, yeah. And it probably gets forwarded <laughs> right to Juno's room because she is the only one who will answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't call us out like that. That's not As bull has anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Juno takes a seat in probably what is like a very fuzzy chair. <laughs> Aww. Which probably looks very goofy compared to her like hard metallic uh, body, and she she clicks on the transmission and she says, "Hello, sir. How may I help you?" Ah, hello, Juno. I was wondering if you had any free time today. Of course, if you have important patrols or training, I could find another time. Uh, no. Is are are you requesting my presence? I am. I was wondering if you would meet me at the Hall of Legends. And uh, Juno would know that the Hall of Legends is more or less a museum uh, because so much superhero activity is centered on Halcyon City. Uh, the Hall of Legends is basically a monument to that. Um, it's all it's basically all of the like major superheroes and superheroic events that have happened are like housed in uh, in this like museum slash monument to uh, superheroism. Cool. Uh, just for clarification, this is not the museum that we busted up in the last episode. No, that was the Natural <laughs> okay. History Museum. Juno <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, nods and she says, I'd be happy to join you. Wonderful. I'll be waiting for you there. Should I bring any of the others? I was hoping we could have a private chat. All right. I understand. I will meet you there soon. Okay, uh, and uh, he uh, he clicks off the uh, transmission. Fiona, I have a question. Yes. Um, I'm assuming Prism recorded that. Um, probably. Okay. Strong. As I feel like, also I, as go I feel like, tell you guys. Most, most things that happen on the ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does, it, it wasn't does like Straw just like or... go through our like mail and. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, I love uh, yeah, it. it wasn't like it, like super encrypted or encoded or anything. Mm -hmm. Um it was just normal call to uh to Juno. So, um Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um My house, my rules. Yeah. <laughs> prism Prism probably uh, Prism probably like wouldn't tell you unless you like specifically asked. Um but yeah, sure that information would be recorded. Okay. Yeah. Noted. Okay. Um so uh so Juno, do you head down to the uh hall of uh 
what I called the Hall of Legends. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I do let Straw and Jack know where I am going in case they need to get a hold of me. Okay. So that they don't panic, I'm not suddenly not there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think when you when you first like approach them to tell them, um, Straw like tenses up like you're gonna ask him to attend, and then when you when you don't, he like visibly relaxes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, so Juno um makes her way to the Hall of Legends. Um, the Hall of Legends is uh is in like the downtown area of Halcyon City. Uh, you guys have various ways that I think we talked about in previous episodes. I think Juno flies. Yes. Yeah. So um, Juno is able to fly out of your uh, mountaintop spaceship headquarters and head to the downtown area of Halcyon City. Um, as you're flying over the city, like Juno has like grown up here, so she knows like what a massive city it is. But it really is in stark contrast to um, to like the mountainous woods on one side and then the sea beyond. Um, it's this massive sprawling city with tons of, si- of skyscrapers, and you can probably even see other uh, superheroes flying around as well. Um, so you land uh, in the downtown area, and uh, before you see this massive marble building that has uh, that has stone pillars reaching up um and into the facade you see carved into the stone um different uh famous superheroes from halcyon's past uh most of the heroes are now dead um you know uh heroes that are being honored in this way and um you go inside um as you go in you sort of see that there's like school groups around and things like that but because it's like um early in the morning and kind of like the middle of the day um there's not like a ton going on here because i think i said it was fall so people don't usually go to museums in the fall and stuff like that um so as you enter the museum uh you see a uh you see like a lobby where you would like buy tickets and such to go through um but because Juno is a robot and they've been warned of your presence, they just allow you to go through. Um, <laughs> they've been warned of me. <laughs> I don't like the way that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as you, uh, you you make your way, uh, they they sort of shuffle you off to uh, off to the right. The school groups going to the left. Um, you've probably been here before, maybe on your own school trips, and you know that this is. Um, that this is an area that um, that talks about the history of superheroes um, just in general, basically. Um, there's different sections of the museum talking about different events or like different, uh, different things that have happened. But this room is just basically a hallway with like a big timeline on the wall. Um, and you see in the hallway is uh, Dr. Quantum standing there. Uh, looking at the uh looking at the timeline cool uh yeah juno approaches and she says hello sir i hope i didn't take too long ah juno don't worry you're right on time tell me have you been to the hall of legends before i have many times wonderful so you'll already know a bit about everything then do you have any favorite exhibits we can make sure to see them before you go on your way oh uh, this one right here is actually one of my favorites. I can't help but think it's so important to really have an understanding of all of those who came before us so that future heroes like me and all of my friends can hope to be as great as they were one day. I think that's very wise. 
Is there any part of the city's history in particular that sticks out in your mind? Perhaps something that you think is relevant to now? Well, I think one of the most interesting things about looking at this timeline and everything is how everything is categorized. Seeing how the change of time has created a different change in the ideas and attitudes of the different heroes. I think looking at the events that caused those changes would be very important for all of us. I completely agree. I think it's very interesting that even in your young age, you're so observant of these things. Perhaps your team's newfound freedom will change the way we think about young heroes. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the compliment. Thank you for your confidence. But may I speak candidly for a moment? Of course. I have some concern about going around the rules and regulations like we are. How, how do you think it's acceptable for us to be breaking the rules like this when they're in place to protect not only us, but others around us? I think that's an interesting question. That's part of why I wanted you to come here today. I thought perhaps you may have such reservations. From what I've observed of your team and your actions, your hesitancy about going around the existing structure is not too much of a surprise. I thought that by having you join me here today, we could look at our past and use it to help us understand the future. Do you understand? Yes, thank you for clarifying. Of course. I have a particular exhibit I would like to visit, if you would please follow me. Of course. And she does. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so he, uh, he's sort of, like, along the way of sort of, like, talking to Juno, but we can sort of, like, um, for the sake of time, just sort of, like, say what... Uh, what he's saying, because he, he really is just sort of walking and talking rather than stopping in front of any exhibits on the way to uh, to their destination. So um, sort of in line with what, Ju- with what Juno has said before, he's kind of like, as they're walking past, especially the Golden Age exhibits, sort of explaining uh, what the deal was there. Uh, he talks about the socioeconomic situation of the time coming out of the Great Depression and... Um, how that influenced what the superheroes thought and how that sort of influenced what we think about superheroes. Um, He does sort of point out to Juno that a lot of them weren't fighting bad guys, like in the modern sense, they were fighting sort of like um, people in costumes who were maybe trying to steal things for themselves, but ultimately um, weren't like trying to hurt people on the mass, on the massive scale that some people were. Um, he takes her through the Silver Age, and you actually, as you go past, you see a uh, you see that there's an exhibit on him too, and he sort of mentions it, but you know he's just like walking past. Um, he explains that the Silver Age kind of started, born out of those same sort of socioeconomic um, ideas of the Golden Age, like as you get into uh, social issues and stuff of the sixties and seventies. But as, you know, as the age went on, they sort of turned their, uh, they sort of turned their eye towards, like, galactic threats and larger scale issues and kind of, like, uh, he, he sort of explains that they're, they were, like, focused somewhat on, like, social issues and things, but really they were, like, fighting aliens and, uh, world-ending beings and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> And then he stops in front of a particular exhibit. Um, this exhibit is of a civilian. Um, and you can tell it's a civilian. Um, it's not anyone in a costume or anything like that. Juno would be familiar, especially if she is interested in the history of superheroes and things like that. Um, this person is named Sam Reed. Um, 
there was a superhero called Quintessence, um, who was basically considered um, one of the first Bronze Age, Bronze Age superheroes in the in the nineteen eighties, and this kind of like is what kicked off the Bronze Age. So Quintessence and Silence um, were in a battle, and Silence, the supervillain, had figured out uh, Quintessence's uh, uh, his. Uh, excuse me, had figured out his um, his alter ego, his secret identity, and hmm. uh, used this person, Sam Reed, um, against him in a battle. And at one point, um, Sam Reed fell off one of the buildings and ended up dying. And it's unclear what exactly occurred to cause his death. It's unclear if it was um, the terminal velocity and then falling into the superhero trying to catch him if he bounced off a building. So it was kind of unclear who was at fault um in some ways for you know what had occurred um this you know kicked off uh issues that uh, that people dealt with in the bronze age which was that uh, a lot of the heroes were a lot more um were a lot more cynical and uh willing to deal with things like murder whereas before it was like you know truth justice in the american way so to speak um, so he stops you in front of this exhibit. He doesn't really explain it, but he kind of knows that you know what it is. And um, he says, um, You're familiar with this exhibit and the events it references, I'm sure. Yes, of course. What would you have done in this situation? In regards to being the superhero in this, um, in the setup? Yes. I would have tried to do my best to save this person, but due to the unclear nature of what happened, it's hard to really um, uh, decipher what the correct answer would have been. That is what most people say. It's a fair answer. This is something I've thought a lot about. It's something that all of us heroes at one time thought about. As soon as I heard, I knew this was a turning point. It marked a change in the times. Now, what do you think the role is of superheroes and superhumans in general in Halcyon City? Well, they're here to keep the normal people safe and able to live their lives. Do you think the rules as they're structured now allow them to do that as effectively as they could? I do, because if the rules were not correct, then what would be the point of having them? If you had to choose between following the rules or saving yourself, which would you choose? She looks really conflicted um, before pretty, like, confidently saying, well, of course I would follow the rules. Then what do you think your contribution to goodness is? Uh, she thinks again for a second until she finally looks a little, um, like, upset before she says, I do not know. Um, and he's going to put his hand on her shoulder. I think that you have a lot to offer. You're still young, so you have time to learn this lesson. But what I want to make clear to you now is that you can do more good being truly alive than not being around at all. I suppose that makes sense. I can't do anything if I am not here. That is logically a correct statement. What I need from you is to value yourself more and question the world more. You're a smart girl, Juno. I need you to think critically on this. Many heroes deal with fear, and I think that this may be your fear. But if you put your mind to it, you can understand better how the world works and understand the structures that control you. 
Uh, she's gonna silently nod, but I'm gonna take a, uh, insecure. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Also, please don't criticize me. I try very hard. I know. <laughs> <laughs> These are just things I want you to think about. Please remember that there is virtue in selfishness. Of course. I, I will remember this. Will there be a test later? Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. And uh, he, he chuckles to himself and says, um, <laughs> No, uh, there won't be a test later. But I do want you to think about these things and what they mean. Of course, sir. I'll follow your orders. I know you will. And uh, from there, I'm going to, I think, uh, switch back to... Who am I going to switch back to? Who wants to be switched back to? What's Juno going to do with the internal text file she's been taking notes on (laughs) if there's no test? (laughs) She's going to get back, print it out, and just like put it on the fridge with a frowny face on it. If there's no test, how do I know if I passed or not? Right? <laughs> I want you to think about the rules and if they make sense. Yes, sir. I'll follow your rules. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So do we want to go back to the school or back to the ship? If we go back to the school, um, I think I might have Asbel go to a sanctuary. For okay. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's switch back to the school for a little bit then. Um, so it's, it's getting through the day. You guys have a first period, second period. Um, does Asbel usually go to his sanctuary during, like, lunchtime, or does he, like, skip class? Like, yeah. Uh, usually, like, you know, during lunch or after school, or if he is is skipping class because he just doesn't want to be there, Uh he'll go to, um, there's, like, this up on, like, I don't know, whatever the top floor is that, like, you can really no one goes up there because it's, like, mostly, it's, like, the smaller floor that's, like, mostly storage and stuff. There's, like, a storage room. No one ever really uses it. It's, like, got all the old broken desks and it's dusty and, like, the, like, you know, the donated um, computers that are starting to get aged out, so they're just getting stacked up in there. And, uh, he has, um, like, his, he has hidden in there, like, some of his comics and books and, um, like, a blanket and, like, a a couple of his CDs. And, um, he'll, like, take his lunch in there just so he can be alone for a bit and not in the cafeteria with everyone. Mm -hmm. He just feels like everyone's staring at him and... Yeah, not taking it into, like, the bathroom stall. It's yeah. Nicer than that. Yeah. So he'll, he uh, will sit in there and put on the headphones and put in uh, American Idiot since he's wearing his American Idiot hoodie today. Aww. <laughs> and just munch on his sandwich in a bag of chips he got from the vending machine. Yeah. Uh, what is Ezra doing? Uh, probably like eating lunch outside and just trying to mm-hmm. pass the time to get through the day because school's not. School is by by no means exciting. Yeah, that's entirely fair. Do you, uh, do either of you, um, excuse me, do either of you, um, are you up to anything for, like, lunch period or the rest of the day, or? Um, if Ezra's outside, as will probably, like, just kind of 
just be wandering in the room and probably see out the window and see Ezra. And we'll just kind of, like, sit there and, like, just watch Ezra from the window. Oh. <laughs> uh, what is Ezra doing? Uh, I mean, I used to skateboard at my school, so that's probably, that's probably fine here. Uh, probably just doing that. If, like, any teachers are giving uh, him any hassle, just kind of deliberately ignoring them. Ezra probably transferred to this school this year. So I'm hoping to get by on the fact that teachers don't want to cause me too much of a problem. Mm-hmm. Whether that's true or not, I'm not really sure. But no one's given me issues yet. Yeah, they probably have like bigger things to deal with than someone like skateboarding in the courtyard. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so through the window, Asbel can see um, Ezra sort of like uh, skating around as they're listening to their album. Um, swooning in my head in my head <laughs> yeah, <I'm swooning>. yeah. <laughs> just kind of like you know smiling and like you know when Ezra inevitably does bail laughing a little bit what what <laughs> song is playing in the soundtrack under the scene oh definitely um give me Novocaine nice mm. nice nice we we can't afford to license it so you have to go, have to go on our listeners have to go and, uh, and like no we just need tom up. to whip up a sound alike oh yeah <laughs> i'll put that on his list <laughs> thomas we need a fake green day song <laughs> okay Hello listeners, I am your GM and host Fiona L.F. Kelly. We hope you're enjoying our third episode. Although we only have three episodes out right now, we're past that in our recording process. Um, I've been sort of vague on how long Super will be because I honestly just wasn't sure because it's such a huge game. Uh, Everyone has given me so much to work with and there's a lot of moving parts, so I didn't want to confine it too much. Um, But it seems like we're going to end up being about eight episodes for this season, Um, maybe nine if we really need the room to breathe at the end. So this episode marks us being approximately a third of the way through the story. And if you're familiar with the game, we are at the end of our setting up phase and moving on to the next phase. Um, Some announcements. On the 22nd of September, we will have a special treat for you. If you listened to the mid-roll in the last episode, you'll know what this is. This is our special one-shot that myself, my producer Tom, Nick, and Caitlin, who you will probably remember from Tiffany and Lost, um, will be playing a special one-shot. We won't be doing an episode of Super. Instead, we will be using the system Briar and Bramble by Freddie Taylor Bell. Briar and Bramble is about a group of animals building their community and finding new homes as human expansion threatens the English wilderness. It's a Powered by the Apocalypse game based on media properties like Redwall and the Animals of Farthing Wood. Uh, This game is on Kickstarter all through the month of September, so please go on over and support it, and you can get your beautiful, artful, printed edition of the super cute game. I went and supported it. I'm so excited to get it, and I'm so excited to play and for all of you to listen to that episode. Uh, We will be returning next week, or the week after that. We'll be returning the week after that, the 29th, with our fourth episode of Super. 
A special thanks to my players for joining me throughout the season. Uh, Kitty and Dan play the dynamic and romantic duo Asbel and Ezra, respectively. Nick Arasiva and I can also be found on the Spelljammer-inspired 5th edition actual play podcast, Tales of the Voidfair, which if, you, if you've been listening to these mid-rolls, you will know that they that we recently received an any nomination for best podcast. If you voted for us, thank you so much. We're so grateful. Um, we'll find out if we won it all next week at Gen Con. And though this like sounds cliche because everyone say it, says it all the time, it truly is an honor just to be nominated. There are some amazing podcasts in this category and some amazing podcasts have won in the past. So to be considered with all those podcasts it really is an honor uh you can find chelsea online making art keeping up our discord server and making candles chelsea is the co-owner of plot kindling candles plot kindling candles makes tabletop rpg inspired candles for all of your tabletop needs because it's september i've been burning sable spitza because i'm really excited for fall um sable spitza is a really cozy scent it smells like sweet spiced pears which i really enjoy so it's been making our apartment smell really good um, Plot Kindling Candles will also be going to their first ever in-person vendor hall at Con on the Cob next month, next month being October. And also at Con on the Cob, we're going to be doing a live episode of Tales with Voidfare. So if you're in the northeastern Ohio um, area for whatever reason during that time, you should stop over at Con on the Cob. It's a lot of fun. And uh, finally, we have Cliff. Cliff is just all over the internet. You can't go anywhere on the internet without tripping over something Cliff has done. Um, you can find him making nerdcore rap music as one half of 2D6. You can find him tweeting from Just Evil DM Things. He's also the DM on Taverns, Travels, and Tests, which is a Food Network and meme-inspired actual play podcast. And he has a million projects, um, some of which I've listed in other episodes. All of our cast members are Fables veterans. If you like us... You can find, I think, at least two of us on any other given season of Fables. Um, we have a lot of people, even though we change the cast every season, we have a lot of people who return season to season. Um, but if you're in the mood for more teenage shenanigans, you can check out our second season, Tainted Love. Tainted Love uses the incredible system, Visigoss vs. Mulgoss. Um, Chelsea is our mall rat slash GM in that season, and Kitty and Dan are also on that season. Uh, they play the Mulgoss. I play a Visigoth along with Roger, who uh, you will know from our last season, Lost. Returning this episode is Garrett Kimmel as Dr. Quantum. Garrett played Alistair Lavelle on our first season, Curse, and he also plays bass for the band Northern Weather. You can find them on Facebook and Bandcamp. And excitingly, they were recently signed to a record label. They were signed to Carve from Stone Records. Um, so big congratulations to Northern Weather, and we are so excited to hear the new music you're putting out. This season, we are playing Masks, A New Generation by Brendan Conway, published by Magpie Games. Check it out for more teenage superhero shenanigans. You can also head on over to projectderail.com to find out more about the show, find links for merch, and to support us on Patreon. Now let's get back to the show. Um, yeah. All right. So you guys are, are doing that. Uh, what are Straw and Jack up to today? What, what is like a sort of day that you guys have? Like, 
what do you get up to while everyone's at school or, or having obligations? So I have an idea for a scene. <laughs> um, I think uh, Straw often likes challenging Jack to uh, uh, first-person shooter games. Um, and I feel like uh, like they'll play like 2v2, um, like Halo, like split-screen. Um, where Straw is using uh, uh, controlling two characters with a controller in each hand, his hands modified to do that, and Jack Rabbit is switching between controllers, playing two characters at once. That's a scene I have in my head. Okay. <laughs> I I humor I humor Straw because my favorite sandwich shop doesn't open until at least ten thirty. And what I usually do during my days is after I'm done humoring straw for a couple hours, I'll go there and I kind of have like a standing arrangement of like, hey, you give me a sandwich and a drink when I'm done and I'll go and deliver out lunch orders for you and you pay me in the sandwich and I keep tips. Nice. Okay. I was just going to ask, like, how do, how do we get money? How do any of us get money? I've got a okay. upper middle class mom. Yeah, you have a mom. <laughs> I'm sure you figure it out. Um, the ship can probably make just about anything. Yeah, but it doesn't have that home touch that my sandwich shop does. It's true. Prism <laughs> makes everyone who isn't Straw's food a little bit worse. <laughs> that tracks. Straw's food is clearly made with love. She like ran the calculations to remove that from everybody else's meal. <laughs> I have calculated love, and this is what goes into Straw's. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so you two are uh, playing Halo sort of in uh, the mid-morning before uh, before you uh, go for your sandwich orders. Yeah, I think if I actually like put effort in, I might be competitive, but I put just enough effort in that like <laughs> Straw like definitely gets the boost because as much crap as I give him in every other aspect. I am kind of warming up to him, and so I'm like, <laughs> you know what? This doesn't matter much to me, but it makes him real happy. So, you know, I don't, I don't mind taking some else here just to uh, be able to give him as much crap as I do. Um, I, I, d I don't actually think that Straw um knows that you're just like humoring him. I think like he thinks you're being as competitive as you possibly can. A battle for really, the ages. He feels yeah, every <laughs> single match and and he feels very good about every victory. <laughs> oh, that's going to be how his villain arc starts. I do think that Straw is better at the first person shooter than Jackrabbit, mm. but it's more like I said just like Jack's not trying like he'll give a yeah. couple bursts of effort just so like it doesn't ever really come across as like intentionally letting straw in but yeah ju mm. just just enough effort uh, and for the record straw always plays the covenant and it's always a quest custom match with nothing but swords and sticky grenades <laughs> <laughs> And gravity hammers if we're feeling extra spicy. Do you guys like talk or anything like during or uh, or after your your matches? I think Straw is going to say like as we're playing, 
You know, Jack, I'm starting to think that you might be improving a little bit. Perhaps you'll win next time. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, right now, I'm pretty much trying to just run around. And if I if I had the speed in this game that I do on my feet, uh, we'd probably be having a much different match with uh, all these melee and stickies. I might be able to make that modification if you'd like. I could have the ship synthesize a new one. Prism has saved the schematics. I can also transform this into a PlayStation 3, if you prefer. I mean... Or a Nintendo Wii. Xbox really improved on on its controller from the last one, so I can't really use that as an excuse. But them PS3 (laughs) controllers are nice. (laughs) Muno, I'm sitting here, I'm like, we could have had a PS3 this whole time, and Straw just, like, didn't upgrade. No. (laughs) No. No, he can synthesize one at the drop of a hat, and just decides he likes Xbox 360. (laughs) I mean, he's correct, but, you know. Mm -hmm. Is he though? He is. Sure? It was it was the better it was the better console for at least that generation. Yep. I'll give it that. <laughs> but, um so uh what do you think um what do you think Juno had to go do? I mean didn't she say something about like meeting somebody or something like that? I wasn't really listening. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> You really should before, uh, really should, uh, ask to go on some training sessions with Juno before, uh, before some other, uh, big strong hero gets in there. Make sure you got all your tactics down. Uh, Straw blinks and goes, hmm. I throw a sticky bomb at you and blow you up. (laughs) Uh... Yeah, yeah, uh, Straw is distracted by this conversation, uh, and that absolutely happens. Um, and he, he blinks for a second, and he goes, Yes, I think that might be technically advantageous now that I think about it. Good idea, Jack. I mean, I, I think we got time for one more match after this one. Uh, but uh, Sandwich Shop's opening up, and uh, Old Murphy's going to be uh, waiting on me. So, uh uh, so in that case, uh, Straw will nod and go, well, let's make it more interesting then. And he's going to reach down and touch the the Xbox and uh, channel some nanobots into it and make the modifications to make uh, Jackrabbit's characters super fast in the game. <laughs> hmm. Do I actually put in effort here since he did that? <laughs> Do it. I, I think I think Jackrabbit is actually going to put in full effort on this one just because... The training uh, wheels are off. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like, all right, well, uh, I've got my speed, so, yeah, let's, let's go for it. And are we still, like, controlling two characters at once each? I think so, yeah. Uh-huh. I think I think now that it's gotten serious, uh, Strahd will actually morph morph his body to grow an extra set of hands, so he can have two hands on each controller instead of just one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you play games better: more hands. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, he still has to split his attention, but and it is an it is an epic fight. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like neck and neck, and I don't know. I think it's I think it's fitting that like. 
we both get each other with sticky bombs just like on the last one and it just comes up as a draw. Oh, from the grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like that. And as I'm getting up, I like Boy, howdy, that was a that was a close one. I almost got you there, Straw. Almost. Maybe next time. Yep. You are quickly becoming a honorable adversary. Well, uh, I, and I do the salute again. From you, from you, uh, War you Chief. That's a that's a high praise. You, you don't have to do the. Look, in my culture, it's actually a very rude gesture. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, hell, I wish you had told me that sooner. Uh, I I didn't want to. It, it was just, you know what? It's fine. Well, uh, at least on the bright side, you'll be prepared and understanding when, uh, if you see <laughs> folks out in the public doing it, because, uh, yeah, we got a bit of a soldier worship in the in the culture around here. Yes, I did notice that. I was very confused. Yeah, I I, I assure you, I do not think at least seventy five percent of them mean any ill will. Good to know, but. Uh, you don't need it. You need anything while I'm while I'm running around, or uh, are you good, buddy? Uh, I believe I am sufficient at this time. But thank you for the offer. Yep, yeah, no problem. Uh, I'll see you after the lunch rush. Um, uh, Straw will nod. Yeah, and um, Jack Rabbit heads out to you uh to Murphy's Sandwich Shop. To uh to help with the lunch rush, um it's a pretty typical day. Um you get all the orders out and you get your uh, free sandwich and drink as usual. They are always appreciative of your help. Um, but at, uh, probably like maybe like five minutes after uh, after Jack Rabbit leaves, um, Prism comes over the speakers in the ship, and uh, she says, "Warfront Stravix, there is an incoming transmission from." Ascendant Morgoroth, the Blood Comet, progeny of Floistian, Empress of the Zell Ascendancy, Conqueror of Ethereo. Should I patch her through? Um, <laughs> Straw, like, immediately, uh, like, changes color, which is, like, his his version of, like, paling. Um, he, he turns from his, like, red-orange to, like, blue, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, and then he goes, uh, Please set the the uh, room aesthetics to default, and then patch her through. Affirmative. He's basically having the nanotech of the the bridge that he's in like revert back to what it should look like mm-hmm. uh, before he puts his mom on the screen. <laughs> 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 so like all of yeah. the clothes and posters and the TV and the Xbox just kind of like melt into particles and morph into mm-hmm. like the floor and walls and everything. Yeah, and then um, Ascendant Morgoth, the Blood Comet, aka your mom, uh, pops up on the screen. And what does she look like? Um, she uh, is a tall and imposing Zrelian, um with the same like orange red skin, uh, with long blue hair, um, and uh, she actually has like. Uh, 
interesting like brow ridges and like shoulder ridges that like are just like morph like of her body where like it it, it's almost gives the impression that as uh zarellians like age and grow older like their default form grows more uh ornament ornamentational with like various like crests and uh natural um like body ornamentation uh and um her uh her uniform is not dissimilar from what straw wears although it has much more detailed like filigree um which uh gives the uh impression of someone of importance although it does seem like a functional like war suit not anything like uh more so than like um something ceremonial mm-hmm and she has this perpetual, like, stern uh, um, expression on her face. Yeah. Yeah, she's not, like, a warm and fuzzy mom. No. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, she's she's eyeing the screen um, very sternly. And I'm sure that that has uh, struck fear into um, what I can only assume are Straw's many hearts. I don't, I don't know what his anatomy is. And um, He has between three and seven, depending on the day of the week. Yeah, and uh, she she eyes the screen and she says, "Status report, ongoing." And uh, so he 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 does have that like shiver of fear that runs down his spine, and his little pointed ears kind of droop slightly. But he quickly tries to recover, um, clasping his hands behind his back and standing up straight, um, in like the best like at attention um, that he can, and say, um, "The data that Prism and I are collecting is currently being processed." And when I have a sufficient report, I will send it along. Our systems tell us that you've been down there for one Earth year. You have not conquered the planet yet? Such things cannot be rushed. This planet has many enhanced individuals. It will take time to categorize and catalog all of them so that we are sufficiently prepared for the invasion. So when you talk to your mom, usually, is she sort of, like, condescending or is she just, like, stern? I think she's just mostly stern. Um, Like, I think, like, she is, like, generally, like, always disappointed in Straw no matter how well he's performed ever in anything. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I do definitely think that, like she suspects that he's not being as forthcoming about the situation as, uh, right. you know, especially after a year. <laughs> yeah. Would she like compare you to others or just be like disappointed? <laughs> I think, I think she would. Uh, I, I think the uh, Zrelian society is very uh, uh, like hinges a lot on like legendary heroes and such. So they, they would almost speak as like pa- of past war heroes as like, um, you know, uh, examples to strive towards so in that regard i think that like perhaps that um uh she does compare him to either great heroes of the past or even great failures of the past mm, okay um so then she is going to say when conquers andrian was your age in the same amount of time he had already conquered three worlds uh conquerors andrian conquered worlds that were of no consequence with little defenses. Trust me when I tell you, mother, that this planet is well defended and possesses strength and power beyond what it seems on the surface. Trust me when I tell you that caution and a meticulous approach will be the best 
path to conquering this world. I expect that report with all of these defenses you cannot get past very soon then. When will you have the planet conquered? I will send the report when it is ready and I have enough data to make useful conclusions with a comprehensive strategy for an invasion. I will not rush this as I do not wish to present a strategy that will fail. My patience is running thin. We have granted you more than enough time. I respect your wisdom, mother, but I ask that you trust mine in this matter. Um, and she is going to, uh, she's going to, um, glance at something off screen. Um, I'm sure that you can assume she has, like, computers around her and such. Um, and she will say, I think that two Earth weeks is more than sufficient. Straw kind of gulps slightly and then recomposes himself and nods and says, you will have it in this time frame. I am looking forward to it. And she just shuts it off without any sort of goodbye or anything shuts off the transmission. The, the, the customary Zarellian goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, mom. <laughs> so straw will immediately like deflate and like slump and then just kind of like go to sit down on the beanbag chair that was there, but forget, forgetting that it's not there anymore, uh, landing hard on his ass. And then he's going to say, Prism, restore the room to previous state. Affirmative, Warprints. And then he's going to say, um, and uh, continue to compile the data for the day and archive it. Continue to delay sending this data. Um, Prism, usually at Prism... Uh, does all of all of your bidding without question um mm -hmm. but because you know her your mother is um so like so much above you uh prism will hesitate for a second and it's not very long um but you were just you just know prism and you know that this is uh this is definitely a delay and yeah. she says affirmative war prince and uh shuts off and continues to do her thing yeah he's just going to add kind of quietly to himself at least for now. Yeah. And um, I think that we will uh, camera shift again. Um, so uh, the day goes on. You all are uh, are doing, you know, doing your thing throughout the day. We got a little peek into, like, your morning and afternoon. Um, Juno and uh, Dr. Quantum uh, don't talk too much longer. Um, he, the part that we heard is like the crux of what he wanted you to hear. Um, he's, he knows, he can see that that was what was like pushing on you. Um, he, rather mm -hmm. he can see that he was like really pushing on you there. So, um, the rest of your talk is really, um, going through the exhibits. Um, you hear interesting, uh, interesting things basically from his perspective from someone who's like really lived through it. Um, which I'm sure you find very interesting, but that I'm sure that what he said earlier is still in the back of your mind. Um, yes, very, very yeah. much so. <laughs> yeah. Um, Real quick, I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take the guilty condition from that interaction. By the way, just for the okay, record. very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, you're uh, you're able to do everything at the sandwich shop. Um, you and Juno both get back. Uh, the school day goes off without a hitch. Um, Asbel. Um, Asbel comes back, um, and, uh, but Ezra goes home, um, so sort of, like, 
You can skateboard uphill. Yeah. I think it's just harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't skateboarded a long time. <laughs> and it's not like Ezra's like, you know, out of shape or anything. Worst case yeah. scenario, if it's too much of a hill, he'll just fucking run up it. Uh, yeah. You're used to the route at this point. Yeah. Quick question that I, I'm guessing I know the answer to, but I want to know for sure. Does um, Asbel like know where Ezra lives? Like, have they ever skated back to his house or no? I would say probably. Okay. Like, you know, worst case scenario, just a, uh, probably like at worst, it's like, all right, well, uh, you know, I'd like to continue to do this. My, my house is actually just right up that hill. So, uh, or if it's, or it might just be like, Hey, uh, running behind, do you want me to meet me? Do you want to meet me at this address? And it is just his house. Okay. Yeah. So probably like, you know, we hang out for a little bit. I'll skate with you to your house. Uh, and then say bye and head back to the ship. Then, <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, you collect your skateboard and you go through the door. You see inside. Um. Everything is how how it was as you left it. You have like a probably like a nice comfortable living room. Um. You go through and uh, set your skateboard down wherever you usually put it, and you go into uh into the uh, kitchen to get yourself something to drink, and. In your kitchen is the sort of controversial, I guess, supervillain, um, Lady Midnight. And what does she look like? Uh, like, is she is she in her, like, supervillain outfit? Uh, not right now. She is okay. just in her regular clothes. She's dressed like a mom. Gotcha. She is dressed uh, like a mom. She's probably just in, like, uh, like a black sweater, pants. Uh, probably just got home from whatever she was doing. Sort of mid-bat length uh black hair uh kind of unsettlingly dark uh green eyes like they're a little darker than they probably should be it almost it almost like uh uncanny valleys you mm-hmm. but uh but like it's it's just enough that it's not disturbing just unsettling and uh ezra gets most of most of uh his looks from his mom so physically very similar she's probably he's like what five two she's probably like five six five seven Okay. Yeah. Um, normally Lady Midnight is in her um, super villainy or at least sort of like anti-hero, depending on who you ask, uh, gear. But this role, the one that she's in most of the time when she's not out, is just being Ezra's mom. Um, she has a cup of tea in her hand and she smiles at you. And I think that's where we're going to pick up next time. Oh. Ooh. Okay, so then let's go through and do our end of session things that we need to do. Um, since we uh, started with Asbel, let's let's start with Asbel again. Uh, so at the end of each session, because this is powered by the Apocalypse game, we have some um, a couple things that we need to do. Um, so at the end of each session, you choose one, grow closer to the team, explain who made you feel welcome, give an influence to that character and clear condition or marked potential, grow into your image of yourself, explain how you see yourself and why, shift one label up and another down, or grow away from the team, explain why you feel detached, take influence over you away from another character. Um, how does Asbel feel? 
Um, I think Aspel's gonna go cr grow closer to the team just because um, it's nice to have someone at school, which, I mean, Ezra mm -hmm. doesn't know anything about the previous school year or anything because he just transferred and Aswell doesn't have any of the friends he used to have now so now at least he has one it's Ezra um and so that's just nice to be able to have someone to talk to again and also like someone who gets it because they're both doing the superhero stuff together um so Ezra already has influence over Aswell um so Dan you can shift his labels uh, but I'm going to oh, mark potential because I, okay. I don't think that anything that we did would clear the afraid condition that Aswell got from his dream. Uh, we'll say we'll say because you know very very slice of life uh, things because it's school. Uh, we'll shift mundane up and freak down. Um. So next, let's go to Ezra. Um. I'm also going to grow closer to the team uh for quite literally the exact same reasons <laughs> um you know the the team is cool uh but realistically based on the fact that you know school is five days a week uh ezra probably spends the most time with asbel and it's just nice to have like someone to talk to because yeah you know i didn't know anything about like the last uh, school year, but was probably told, like, oh, don't talk to Asbel, they're weird, and just being like, uh, well, I am too, so that really doesn't, that doesn't really do anything for me, so I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go do that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, just uh, closer, silly because we just spend a lot of time together. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I also, you also already have influence over me. Okay, I agree that it definitely feels like mundane should shift up. Um, and danger shift down, I think. Oh, but that's my good one. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's my really good one. But we were, we were... It was just such a normal day. I'm gonna and... kick your ass next session to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've only got a one danger now. What am I gonna do? I actually dangerous. have a plus one in quite a few things now, so that's actually not terrible. <laughs> um, let's go to uh to Stravix next. Uh, okay. Grow closer team into your image of yourself or away from the team. I think I grew closer to the team, um, mm -hmm. and I think uh, Straw and Jack's uh, video game moment, uh, you know, has. Straw feeling um, a little bit closer to Jack um, with uh, the friendly competition um, sort of deal. So um, Jack gets influence over me. And then I am going to mark potential instead of clearing a condition because if anything, that makes my guilt worse, not clears it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so. I think I already had influence over you, so... Uh, at least Did that's you? what my sheet says. Oh, it didn't say that on mine. Oh. Gasp. Oh. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll trust yours because I know that it was bound. It had been bouncing around a little bit. So uh, I had yeah. influence. I, I, I had and still have influence over you, mm -hmm. but I, I still had marked that nobody had influence over me. Unless I just didn't update it from the last session, which is very possible. Yeah, I'm fine with just saying that. Uh, I now have influence over you. Okay. Uh, okay. 
But, uh, I mean, since we're on the subject as well, uh, again, another same. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I think that, uh, I think that Straw is definitely, you know, making me feel welcome. Plus, uh, it's, it's nice to, uh, be able to try and poke and prod the, the tacticians of the team to working even closer together. Right, yeah, that's why you're doing it. Exactly. No other reason. <laughs> no other reason. <laughs> Not trying to fulfill any ships or anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. I grew closer to Straw. And Straw already has influence over you, I think, right? Yep. Or am I wrong? Yeah. You are correct, and I'm actually going to uh, clear angry instead of taking potential. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That seemed like a nice little day for you. So, uh, Straw, what do you want to shift around? Um, let's see. Is it one up and one down? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. okay. Uh, let's do mundane up and superior down. Oh, you have sunk my battleship. I know. Oh, we, no. we, all, we, we all picked the stats that are like our the other person's main stat to go down. <laughs> That's all right. I went through them a three. I'm going down to a two, and my mundane's at a two now, so it works out. All right. Um, and last but not least, you know. Well, I'm glad everyone else had a nice day. <laughs> I know what I was about to That's say. That's what I was thinking of the whole time. Poor Juno. Yeah. Um. So, I think what I want to do with my end of session move is to grow into my image of myself. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to describe what I what Juno is I, is feeling right now. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Because she's like. Someone has told her she is inadequate and she's not dealing with it very well. That's not what he said, but yeah. I that is what she heard. <laughs> we are teenagers. Fiona, you screamed at her. I screamed. <laughs> yeah. He said I was the worst superhero ever. Can you're I not kidding. You're never gonna be nothing. <laughs> Dr. Quantum um, said that this session. <laughs> yeah, he said he was. He said she was so good. She should stick around. That's a good thing. But she's doing it wrong. <laughs> Everything is so um, terrible. <laughs> um. So you know she's dealing with that insecurity. So she's sort of like got got a bit of a complex happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um. So she she does that. Being informed that. The, the way that she is used to doing things might not be 100% correct 100% of the time mm-hmm. is, like, shaking her quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am going to shift Superior down and maybe the Savior up makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That's actually hilarious because... To me, because, like, it seemed like in the conversation, he was trying to get you to shift superior up and savior mm-hmm. down, which yeah. is hilarious that, she, that she's like, I yeah. will do the exact opposite. You're correct. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, told, like, she should have told her there was a test. Told her there was <laughs> a test. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
you guys need to get on my level because I have accidentally like min maxed my character and it feels very gross. <laughs> <laughs> my superior was at a three, so I was uh Yeah. I my, was right mine along is still at a three. Straw's feeling great. Uh, <laughs> my, my, f- <laughs> my freaking savior at threes, and then my superior and mundane are at negative two. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> Zeros and plus ones. That's all I got. Oh, uh, yeah. I still have a minus one. In Pathetic. Three. My savior's right. minus Come and say one. that to my face. Introducing Tales of the Voidfarer. Join the spacefaring adventures of a group of misfits in this D&D 5th edition podcast inspired by the 2nd edition setting, Spelljammer. My name's Marco Astorio. My character is a gif yankee. My character is a doar. Adorable little penguin people. You're ravenous, right? Yes, and you are. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Luckby Cumble. My name is Captain Valeria Rain, and welcome aboard the Voidfarer. Luckbeak, Ravnus, come on! There's so much to see over here! Catch new episodes of Tales of the Voidfarer every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast fix. <laughs> that's funny. Wait, did you just hmm? say that's funny and not laugh, Ravnus? We really have to work on your social skills. <laughs> Introducing Tales of the Voidfarer. Join the spacefaring adventures of a group of misfits in this D&D 5th edition podcast inspired by the 2nd edition setting, Spelljammer. My name's Marco Astorio. My character is a gif yankee. My character is a doar. Adorable little penguin people. You're ravenous, right? Yes, and you are. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Luckby Cumble. My name is Captain Valeria Rain, and welcome aboard the Voidfarer. Luckbeak, Ravnus, come on! There's so much to see over here! Catch new episodes of Tales of the Voidfarer every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast fix. <laughs> that's funny. Wait, did you just hmm? say that's funny and not laugh, Ravnus? We really have to work on your social skills. As you walk down the sidewalk, passing shops of all kinds, the cold wind stinging against your cheeks as the snow beneath your feet gives a light crunching, you see a sign above your goal Chronicle Comics. You open the door, the ding of the bell letting the clerk know someone has entered. He looks up at your familiar face and says, Hey, uh, that comic you were picking up ended its run, but it looks like the company printing it as uh, something new out. And he hands you a comic. On the cover, a city along the water at night, searchlights across the dark sky. In each light are four faces with names in contrastingly colorful font below them. Falcon Girl. No, he would not be impressed. He'd be like 50 times more pissed than he already is at me. Royale. Yeah, watching and seeing what happens is it stopping the crime. Remix! Am I the only one confused why Quasi can whisper? Quasi Raptor. Quasi never gets to eat. Above them, in white font with yellow bordering, the words Cape Chronicles. Available every first and third Wednesday of each month starting March 2nd, 2022 from Project Derailed, wherever you get your podcasts. It is cramped in here. ProjectDerailed.com